Alright, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Oh my god, I smell shenanigan! I have no idea what's going on, but I am excited! Yeah, baby, yeah! Ooh, ever dance with the devil in the bed? Inconceivable! Cowabunga. I thought this was a party! It's two Nerfskis and a podcast. With Eric and Jeff. And then my pants were shat. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right, because I had trouble sleeping after watching this. Anyways, folks, welcome to another fine installment of Two Nerdskis in a Podcast, where the one show where two nerdskis come together and talk about everything pop culture and entertainment. And apparently it's the movie where apparently I'm a big pussy because I can't sleep afterwards after watching horror, uh, especially in the evening. Uh, Anyways, my name is Eric. Holy shit, I'm Jeff. And welcome back to another fine installment of Horror Month here at the show because we're talking everything horror all month long. And I have to applaud you, sir, because your choice for this one was very fascinating because here we are, folks, talking about a movie that is so ballsy, balls deep into creativity that an entire marketing campaign made you believe that it was fucking real. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Blair Witch Project. And I have to say, so I've said this before. I'm not the biggest horror guy. Like I said, I'm slowly diving into it. And um, I'm, I'm, you know, with these, of all these movies, I've, I can gladly say I've added more horror to my uh, library of movies I've seen. Um, You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, I have always said that The Exorcist is my favorite horror film. Um, it still is because it's it's not just a it's not just an exorcism movie. It's a movie about redemption. But we can definitely talk about that at some future point. I believe that I have found probably the movie that probably could either top it or at least come right next to it. Holy um, shit. Yeah, I'm not kidding. I look, like I said at the, at the top, if I watch this uh watching this movie, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I watched it last night for the very first time. And by the way, so Jeff, we mentioned we talked about this before we started. Um Jeff told me don't um don't don't touch your phone. Keep all eyes focused on the movie at at all times. That failed because I had buffering issues. But I was able to get through the movie just fine. Um, but I was just kind of so immersed into what was going on. And by the time that the movie, by the time the movie was over, I got a little paranoid, so paranoid that I couldn't sleep until two a.m. last night, and I had to wake up around five so I can go to work this morning. <laughs> so, congratulations, Blair Witch! <laughs> you have officially become one of my all-time favorite horror films, and uh, that is no small feat. That is a very good thing on you thank you to daniel myrick and eduardo sanchez you brilliant bastards made a fantastic horror film in my opinion um and that's no joke i truly do believe that but um anyways that's sort of my background um i guess 
I mean, I had always heard about the movie. Pro- I had always heard about the movie. I heard that like supposedly it, everything was real, but it turns out, no, not really. It was just a really intelligent marketing gimmick and we can get all into that. Um, but I want to know, Jeff, what is your background with this and why did you choose it for this specific installment? Well, first off, uh, I thought you would like the movie, but to hear it on the, on this level, that, uh, that's pretty, that's kind of fucking with my mind, man. That's, that's fucking fantastic. Uh, so second off when, um, when I was hitting my early teens, that's when I was really getting absorbed into horror and I had to, I felt I had to go check out all the essentials, uh, you know, Exorcist and The Omen, uh, you know, all the, uh, I think at that point there were a few Jason movies I haven't seen. So just trying to clear out all the essentials and I've always heard about Blair Witch Project and I didn't really know what it was, but actually when, um, at the time I was living at an apartment with, with my mom and at the uh, at the front office of the apartment, they had a, a little uh, DVD rental section where you know you can just uh, just tell them what apartment you're in and just drop a couple bucks and bring it back the next day. It it, it was cool. Oh uh, god, I wish I had that service. <laughs> uh, but one of the movies they had was Blair Witch Project, and so you know I jumped at the opportunity to see what all the fuss was about and. My first time seeing it, I didn't like it, and I thought I thought it was boring. I thought nothing happened. I didn't see what the big deal was, and I never thought about it again. And then, I want to say about uh, yeah, around around twenty sixteen, uh, late twenty fifteen early 2016 the announcement of the new Blair Witch movie was uh hit uh, hit the internet because you know that movie in itself was actually made in secret uh director Adam Wingard when uh he was doing that he actually uh announced the production as The Woods and the fact it was a Blair Witch sequel wasn't um um, wasn't even announced until like two months before the movie came out. It, it was fucking awesome. Um, but that movie's marketing strategy encouraged me to go back to the original film and give it another chance. And I fell fucking in love with the movie. And I guess it's, it's kind of a testament to what kind of mindset you're going in for a movie like this. And if you know what you're getting into, because, because the reaction to this movie is split straight down the middle. Some think it's either, either a a boring piece of shit of just a bunch of annoying characters walking through the woods and nothing, nothing really happens or some perceive it as, a horror masterpiece and I perceive it as a horror masterpiece. This is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. It's 
one of my favorite horror films. Shit, it's one of my favorite films of all time. It's in my top 50 for fucking sure. Every time I see it, it just finds new ways to get under my skin. And I primarily chose it for Horror Month because, for one, I think it's one of the most culturally significant horror films ever made. I mean, it basically shot an entire subgenre of horror films into the fucking stratosphere for almost a decade. And, uh, well, I, I'll, I'll walk that back a little bit. It, it was kind of a paranormal activity that, uh, that repopularized it. So I'll, I'll walk that one back a little bit. Um, but the foundation was always laid with Blair, uh, with Blair Witch Project. Like there were a couple movies beforehand that have, uh, tackled the found footage, uh, found footage concepts. There was Cannibal Holocaust in 1980. Uh, and then there, yeah. And, uh, and then there was the last broadcast in 1997, 1998, I want to say. Uh, that, that's also a very good movie. Um, but those, uh, but last broadcast didn't really catch on. And the Blair Witch Project was just, lightning in a fucking bottle and it was all due primarily to that brilliant utilization of online viral marketing the first film to really do that and you just look at like whenever there's a new marvel movie coming out you're scrolling through fucking instagram what are you most likely going to see ads for the next marvel movie like Viral viral marketing for for film is one of those common things that we that we see, and the Blair Witch Project was essentially the pioneer for how movies would be marketed at the turn of the of the new millennium. It's fucking amazing, and so I think that. Anyone that's trying to explore the genre of horror, even if you don't like the movie, or even if you don't uh, end up liking the movie in the end, I think the sheer historical and cultural significance that this movie was able to generate is... It cannot be ignored. Because not only does does this movie you know, create a really interesting uh, interesting scenario to draw audiences in. But once you see the movie, it's a gateway into an absurd amount of backstory and lore. And it just, even after the movie, you're still thinking about it and it opens up this large world that you just can't help but want to explore. And yeah, I'm not, I think there was a couple of documentaries that came out to, uh, to go along with the, uh, with, uh, with the release. And yeah, I, I was so goddamn convincing by the way, (laughs) (laughs) like fucking like, wow, the commitment they put into it as to make it seem like, like this shit actually happened. It didn't, by the way, everything, I mean, obviously it's all fake, but like, even the legend of the Blair Witch itself totally fabricated for the movie. 
but you totally buy that it could possibly be real. Like that it, is brilliant. Like it feels like an authentic urban legend. And what I the number one thing I cannot fucking stand in you know just bottom of the barrel low like low effort found footage films like the ones that are, that are just trying to capitalize on on the on the craze is the cameras that uh, like there's never a good explanation for why they're always filming. There's all the shots feel rehearsed or planned. The, the scares are obnoxious and predictable. The acting feels off unconvincing and just the way that the, the sound design is constructed. It feels very cinematic and all of those elements have to feel authentic in their own way. The acting has to feel authentic. The sound design has to feel authentic. The, the shots have to feel spontaneous and sporadic and unplanned. If any of those are not followed, then the illusion is killed. And every single one of those elements is captured flawlessly in this movie. And the way that they the way that they filmed it is essentially these three actors really wandering the woods. All of the actors were uh, were essentially given uh, were were given notes on their uh, on how their characters reacting with uh, w- with everyone else and within the situation, and they would just improv. And every single one of them does such a great fucking job at selling this. Like you feel their paranoia, their fear. You believe their desperation and their sanity breaking. And I fuck. I love this movie. (laughs) I mean, so the basic guy, I mean, so you are right. Um, there was a script written. It was about 30 pages long because basically the script basically just has uh, notes of like, okay, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. The dialogue is all up to the actors. And if, if I have in okay, for an independent movie or just a movie in general, um, that's fucking genius because every single so uh, the actors are using their real names. Heather Donahue is Heather Donahue. Uh, Michael, is it Michael Williams? Is yes. playing Michael Williams. Joshua Leonard is Joshua Leonard. All three of them, I am surprised, are not more popular than, are not constantly working. Well, Joshua is. Uh, Heather and Michael have since kind of retired from the acting scene. But all three of them, especially Heather, fucking enormously talented actors oh my um, dude i they improvised oh. the fuck out of this movie um a lot of your reactions you're seeing actual actual genuine reactions especially during a certain especially with the map sequence um apparently and we can definitely get into we'll definitely get into the movie itself but like, yes from what i understand eduardo sanchez actually revealed um because he was so I was watching a video last night of Eduardo Sanchez because 
so there is a Blair Witch game that came out in 2019, and uh, he was he was doing a <laughs> he was doing a video uh, with a couple people from Watch Mojo, and they were just basically playing the game, reacting to it. It's actually a really fun video to watch. Um, but they're asking about certain things, and apparent and you know about the improvisation. Apparently, uh, they actually did lose the map for real. Um, like Michael actually did lose that map for real because it was genuinely useless because apparently the map was for a different, uh, set of force. Um, and, uh, yeah, that is. And, uh, so the anger that you see during that following sequence, genuine fucking anger. So Jesus. that's, a, that's from what I understand. Oh my God. I didn't know that, man. That's fucking crazy. I could be t- I could be completely wrong on this, but from what I understand, um, they are actually losing their shit, um, and it's ironic because Michael's the one complaining like they need the map, and he's the one who loses it. So, um, but yes, let's, yeah, what what a fucking mind job of a movie where like everyone is giving like a hundred percent. 110% of a performance because it's all improv. Like from what I understand, I watched an interview where Heather does, uh, she was on some talk show and she talked about how like the idea was write some notes. Oh, no, no. The idea was, uh, was like the audition, like the, the audition advertisement was like um, heavy use of heavy improvisational dialogue. And she was like, Fuck yes, I'm in. The audition ad also said, uh, "You will work. Um, you will work a lot outdoors. The movie is takes place outdoors. Um, you will be safe, but there will be no comfort." And every and Michael, Joshua, and Heather looked at that and went, "All right, we're in." <laughs> so fucking troopers for these guys. Um, they did a fantastic job on this every single, and I'm surprised that they're not, they haven't gotten bigger, like more acting gigs. I mean, I guess Blair, Witch kind of ruined it for them because, you know, now everyone knows that, um, that they did this. I think Heather has since said that she wished she used a different name. Like, like her actor name would still be Heather Donahue, but she would not, she probably would have gone by a different name in the movie itself. Right. But, um, but yeah, that was that was the idea for this. <clears throat> Fucking crazy, this movie. Um, just all over. Um, what where we should really start is just so the idea basically was Eduardo and okay, hold on, let me let me pull this up here. But essentially, the two directors of the movie, uh, Eduardo and David, they wanted to do a horror movie that wasn't that was different. As as every movie should be, of course, but they wanted to do something that probably really hadn't been done before. Very, so, by the way, this was a very low budget movie. This movie made about two. It was made for about two hundred thousand to five hundred thousand. It made two hundred. It made nearly two hundred and fifty million. That is, at the time, one of the most successful horror movies, or just one of the most successful independent movies. Put that. Ever put that in. Made. Put that into perspective. This movie that you know cost me. Cost about at the most half a million dollars in 1999 grosses almost a quarter of a billion dollars. Yep, that is that is impressive for like this very impressive for a movie at the time. That's unheard of, especially for an indie movie. 
honestly, like, yeah, every, uh, cause I've, uh, I have some friends who were, uh, you know, who were, uh, you know, teenagers in the, around the time that this movie came out and they can vouch for how in fucking sane the, the, just the sheer hype around this movie was, uh, like, I, I totally buy that. I mean, I probably would have wanted to have seen this movie in theaters. I probably, honestly, I would have bought the marketing gig. Oh, I, I, I would have been, I would have been absolutely obsessed with this movie, especially if mm-hmm. I like, if I saw this like at the peak of my, you know, horror interest. I couldn't even imagine how. Uh, I mean, I, I already love this movie, but if I was just there when uh, when it actually came out, I it would be next level. I guarantee that. Yeah, uh, it's just it's tremendous, isn't it? It's it's such a fantastic little horror movie that could. Um, but so here's here's the basic idea. Here's the basic premise, though. Three college students, Heather, Michael, Josh, they all get together because Heather wants to make a documentary investigating the urban legend of the Blair Witch uh, in uh, the Black Hills Forest, which is next to Burtskill, uh in Maryland. Um, there have been a lot of there have been there have been a lot of interesting things that have happened during that time. Um, prior to their visit fifty years ago. There's a man named Rustin Parr who apparently in the ni- in 1940 and 1941 was responsible for the deaths of seven children and the kidnap yeah well the kidnapping in, of eight children deaths of seven children when he comes out of the forest in 1941 he says he's finished he's arrested put on trial he admits that he uh, did the killings but he said that a woman in white made him do it and that he would and that she would only stop being in his head if he did all these killings and the way they did it is that he that they lined up that he took two kids at a time lured them with lured them lured them god damn it i can't speak today <laughs> lured them with candy put one kid in a corner so he so that they wouldn't see what he was going to do to them and he just went to town on the kid like murder like beating the crap out of them murdering them so on and so forth unspeakable things all because the witch told him to do so apparent supposedly so um the witch itself uh her name is ellie kettlewood or kedward an irish woman who arrived in the town of blair which is what Burtskaville became um was accused of witchcraft by the children and was banished and about a year later, half the children went missing, ca- thus causing the town of, of Blair to vacate. And then about maybe a, another century later, Burtskaville was established. And then every 50 years, dark shit happens. Let's just put it that way. Um, yeah, they built, they, you could easily buy that this movie could have been real. But they do it in such an excellent way that um, they make you think, yeah, it's just, I'm sorry. I'm just going in circles at this point, but um, what's really kind of cool though, go going the behind the scenes. And so the way it starts is that 
you know, they're all getting together. They arrive in Burtskaville and they get to talk to some of the locals about about the um, the legend. And Jeff knows this, but uh, I learned this later that apparently the directors and the film crew and the rest of the crew actually planted actors for them to speak to. But some of the people were actually real. Do you know, apparently one of the people that was real, Mary Brown, the older woman that they speak to. Um, fucking crazy shit. Because uh, apparently that woman uh, said that they that she saw um, that she saw uh, this person saw like a woman who floated and um, covered. No, that's another person, but covered in like hair all over. Freaky shit. Um, and so, you know, they go, just, they go ahead and, uh, park, they go ahead and park the car and then it slowly begins. Some crazy shit happens. So I'm going to stop there for a second. Cause I wanted to discuss a question that I had. I was going to ask you actually, Jeff, um, okay. but I think I've already had it answered cause a lot, cause you know, most of the movies we'd seen, a lot of them were gore fests, a lot of blood. Um, most horror movies really rely more on horror and and effects. And yeah, a lot of blood, a lot of gore, a lot of jump scares, a lot of effects and whatnot. And a lot of jump scares. There is not a... I, and I had always wanted to see a movie where it just purely relied on psychological horror i mean i know there's a there is a movie by roman polanski called the tenant and that's apparently bruce campbell's favorite movie because it's a more it's more of a horror film that fucks with you in the mind than actually just seeing everything um yeah this movie is a prime example this movie answered that question that you can have a horror movie that does not rely on the traditional tropes and just fucks with your brain and you see that when you know, when they start coming across, they start coming across certain things, especially when they see the 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 stick figures, oh, um, the stick men, as they call them. Uh, J- um, <laughs> Eduardo Sanchez, one of the directors, um, said that like uh, they there was no official name for them, but he said that he called the biggest one Chewbacca, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, there's some fucking just they start they start hearing things, they start going around in circles, they start to lose their minds in the woods. And you could easily believe that um you can easily believe that um it wasn't something supernatural that killed them. It was just them being driven insane just by being out of the woods by themselves. Who knows? There's a lot of theories going into it, and we can definitely get into more of those theories. But um, well, one thing that I uh, that I want to chime in on is even if there was no supernatural element to this movie whatsoever, you would still have a very creepy movie about just being lost in the woods. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I don't know about you, but the prospect of getting lost in the woods is terrifying as fuck. Yes. It fucking scares me. Mm-hmm. And, but adding the supernatural element in there, along with such an authentic 
uh, sense of dread and paranoia only sells it even more. If you were to ask me if I would, if, um, if I would ever go camping, um, after seeing this, I would, um, <laughs> I'd probably prompt you with a question. Do bear shit in the woods? Um, yes, but I refuse to camp in the woods because <laughs> I would be too fucking terrified. And I was in Boy Scouts for Christ's sake. Dude, um, I, I would <laughs> honestly, I, I would never do that unless I had like a fucking satellite phone or something. Yeah, I agree. But even then there could be some crazy shit and the satellite phone wouldn't work either. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, this movie totally fucking fucked, <laughs> fucking, and uh, just <clears throat> fucked me over so bad. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ! This movie just ter- uh Yeah, just thinking about it now, I'm just like, dude, folks, I'm afraid to go to sleep tonight. <laughs> That's how much this movie fucked with me. Um, <laughs> do you know what the worst part was? I started watching scenes from Paranormal Activity because I wanted to, because you know, there are, you know the argument is inevitable. Like which is the better found footage movie Blair, Witch, or paranormal activity. And I started watching a couple scenes and I'm like, I don't know. I kind of prefer just looking at a glance of paranormal activity. I think I'm going to go with Blair, Witch because Blair, Witch. here's the difference. And it's something that Jeff brought up too. you know, the idea of like, why the fuck is there found footage? Why the fuck would you keep filming? Well, like we said, Three college students filming a documentary. Yeah, I mean, it's... Heather is a control freak. She wants to capture everything because it could make for interesting material in the editing room. You know, like, she's a, you know, a pretentious film student. Yes, she and, is. And, you know, her her ambition led to her ultimate downfall and, you know, dragged, uh, dragged a Josh and Mike in with it. And it's, uh, yeah, like the way, uh, especially the way when, uh, when it gets really heated between them and they're like trying to take the cameras away from her mm-hmm. and the way, uh, the way Josh just fucking grills Heather on why she keeps filming. It's like, as the movie goes on, they just tear each other down in various ways and it's you can just sell like like uh they keep trying to to keep it together in some way and say like sorry i said that like i oh i'm like it's cool man it's cool like we we gotta stick together or else we'll never get out of here but that only lasts a couple minutes and then they're just right back to being any fucking each other's throats and it's a very, and and this is exactly why I, I fully recommend, if you watch this movie, you know, no phones, nothing to break the immersion because it's such a gradual mental decline of all these characters, and when you just when you just see it, just I don't know, man, it it just. It feels like it's a, a testament to how well the editing is done too, because I I can't even imagine how much raw footage that that they had to go through, and 
God, yeah, just just because I already don't like editing as it is, and the thought of editing a movie like this with fucking V on sixteen millimeter film and VHS camera. Oh God. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because Eduardo actually said, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but Eduardo. Okay, yeah. After I watched the movie, I looked. I watched a lot of interviews and a lot of just like um, behind the scenes stuff. Um, so Eduardo Sanchez said that during the editing, he had to pause editing because he just felt that like something was wrong. Um, he felt like he was being watched. He had like really dark thoughts. At the, they all had really dark thoughts at the time, admittedly. But um, yeah, he just felt that like he just had to just step away from the editing bay. He shut off the computer and just went home <laughs> because that's how fucked up the movie was. Um, I don't fucking least, blame him. God damn it, man. Uh, it, Jesus Christ. This is just such... This is just such a fucking... Um, crazy movie um one thing that i want to say is that this um like the reason i i would say that this movie is absolutely lightning in a bottle is because what were initially seen as gaffes on you know from the eyes of the you know of the directors ended up creating this movie's identity like uh so one example is uh on a, one of the first nights that they're that they're really being fucked with, and they they run out of the tent, and you see Heather screaming, "Oh my God, what the fuck is that? What the oh, fuck?" Oh yeah, is I know that? this one. Yeah, and initially, she was supposed to turn the camera, and there was supposed to be a woman in a like some kind of white cloak, off a, a kind of off in the distance, but. She didn't turn the camera, so didn't see it. But, you know, she still looked at the figure and delivered her line. The fact we don't see it is so much fucking scarier. Because it's just your mind just races like, what the fuck are they looking at? And all honestly, it was just a crew member just wearing like a lot of rags. And uh, and uh, it probably like in all honesty, it probably just would have looked really funny. Oh yeah, um, no, like I, I, I guarantee it, it wouldn't have worked, and it, 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 it probably would have killed the the tension. And the the second, the most iconic image of the film, the close up on Heather's eyes. As well, hold she, on, before we get there, there are a lot of things you mentioned. The scene where you mentioned where they run away. What leads up to it is just like so. Um, what's so freaky is that they wake up to children laughing. Oh my fucking. And that God. already is fucking disturbing. The, in truth, all, all what they did was that the crew, the crew were just like, they wanted to go to sleep. I, I remember watching the panel, a panel of like the three actors talking uh, just before we start hopped on to doing this. And they're just like, dude, we just want to go to sleep. And, and the, and the director's like, not tonight, bitch. And so what they did is so basically they recorded some children, uh, just like some children having fun, playing and whatnot, and laughing. And then they set a boom box next to the tent and then they pressed play. <laughs> and that's how you get the sound of children laughing. And uh, oh, God, that's so all that these, was creepy as shit. All these extremely simple techniques to and it just creates the most terrifying fucking effect. 
and then and then they just have crew members and then like and then the tent shakes and honestly it's just the crew members outside just like all right shake the tent shake 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 but in in the moment because this movie does such a good job at immersing you in that situation you're you're just on edge Mm-hmm. completely on fucking edge in the moment that the tent starts shaking you're just wondering like oh my god what the fuck is out there yeah it makes you really fuck with your mind doesn't it especially when especially when you get to so after that all happens you know they get back to the tent um and then once they once dawn c- comes up you know they get lost and they come back to the tent and um they come across, they come back to the tent. Everything's been rifled through. Josh's equipment is covered in slime. Um, in the he same panel me. that I referenced. Yes, <laughs> they did. In the same panel, um, do you know what they revealed what the slime was? What? KY jelly. I believe it. <laughs> KY jelly. So literally, <laughs> that's not, I, I, I mean, like, I mean, yes, but like, that's just. That just is really kind of freaky or whatnot. Um, so, I mean, that's just like, that's not what I expected at all. That actually is one of the funniest things I've heard, actually. It's just like, KY Jelly, huh? The thing that turns you on also freaks you the fuck out. That could be taken anyway. Just roll with that. But anyways, so. That's what she said. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> so, what's freaky is that, so the next day, so here's how you here's kind of an idea of like just how crazy things are um they f- they fall they're trying to get back to their car right but they've come they've come across an identical river well they come across a river identical to the one they crossed earlier and um they realize they've just been going in circles um they're they're a sense they're a sense been the idea that the the witch can control time space and reality within the forest to just why just to fuck with you and basically she wants to keep him in there as long as long as she wants and so they make him so basically she manipulates everything so that they're just walking in a plain circle and um you know they are just losing and god at this point they're just absolutely losing their minds so much so the next the next morning josh disappears and they're just desperately trying to find them um at this point here's the thing here's something i i've noticed so like at at um and i was watching the analysis video earlier this morning actually um so the way i understand it and it makes sense actually in the context of now thinking about it so Heather and Mike have kind of just been at odds with each other and whatnot. It's kind of just been Josh. It's kind of just been there kind of like buffering things or whatnot because Josh is, you know, he's, he's, I mean, he's losing it too, but you know, he's also just like trying to be the mediator and everything. And, um, so when Josh disappears and they start losing their minds, it's now up to Heather and Mike to really kind of like, really kind of like look out for each other. You know, Heather's really starting to realize just how much, She's fucked everything over and Mike realizes that it's time for them to really like stick together and, you know, and really work things out. And then one of the freakiest things happens that night, 
you hear Josh's like blood curdling, agonizing screams. Oh Jesus! Oh. Freak, and like what's 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 great? What's also interesting is that you it most of that moment is just pitch black. You don't really all you just hear is just the audio for the most part. You kind of see glimpses of Heather and Mike here and there, but you don't really see anything. So, so and Jeff is right. Sometimes the unseeable is the most freakiest thing, freakish thing ever. And they're and you know they want to go out there and find them, but they are theorizing that it could be the witch trying to get to lure them. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's some freaky shit. I'm sure that that is like that is really terrifying. Like the idea, but your your imagination just runs run fucking wild. wild with what's happening to Josh. Um, do you want do you want to know the behind the scenes like trick to how they did that? I think I've heard it once, but yeah, go ahead. So there's a couple. I think I think they had Josh record in a studio just like a bunch of agonizing screams. I think, and then they just. And, or maybe one of the crew members is like, hey, Josh, um, I need you to come to the opposite side with me real quick. We're just going to record you just screaming or just like, just, all right, all right, we're going to radio the, we're going to radio the rest of the crew to like tell them, all right, ready? Start screaming. <laughs> By the way, so before you, th- before you think that, um, a little behind the scenes as well, too, more behind the scenes stuff. So they were never lost. The way they did it, luckily, they were being safe. They did map out the area. They had a uh, GPS coordinates that actually showed them like exit plans and, um, and, and stuff to and places to like rally or whatnot. If they needed to, they could always, they had walkie talkies so they could radio, um, the crew like, Hey, what do you want me to do? You know, but for the most part, you know, the crew left them alone. They would find, they would often actually mark areas where they could, there could be supplies, always plenty of water, but low on food because, you know, they want to add to the idea that the actors are really kind of like the characters are really kind of like struggling or whatnot and just losing their shit. But they were, they were safe, comfortable. No safe. Yes. So that's always good. So before you all think that like, and they shot for eight days, um, the crew were always the way that, the way that they kind of knew what they were doing the next day was that they would, as Jeff mentioned, they left notes um, in like 16 millimeter uh, canisters saying like for each one, like, all right, Mike, this is what I want you to do. All right, Heather, uh, this is what I want you to do. Josh, this is what you're going to do. Um, you're going to, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. Uh, you're going to pretend that you're going to start thinking now that um, Heather is a control freak. You're going to start wanting to do this and do that. Brilliant stuff. And they all just, and like I said, the, the dialogue is just improvised and improvised. So everything you hear on screen, 100% real. Well, uh, genuine reactions. Well, plus uh, what, what was also great was they, uh, once they all got their, uh, you know, their, their notes, they were not allowed to share it with the other actors. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it, because again, it adds to the true realism of this. Exactly. And it's. Just that that tactic to get those authentic reactions and line readings is fucking genius. Especially when you put into context just how fucking real some of the reactions can be. So, like, for example, the next day after they hear Josh scream, 
Before Mike wakes up, Heather walks out of the tent and sees a bundle of sticks tied with fabric from Josh's shirt. She yeah. hides the bundle at first. Um, she hides the bundle at first. And, um, and so later, she comes back to it. She unravels it. And it's a blood-soaked scrap of his shirt containing hair from Josh, bloodied teeth, and God knows whatever the fuck is in there. In it- reality... It, it looks like, it it like his tongue. So in reality, um, Eduardo Sanchez has admitted that what they did was they were just like, hey, Josh, can you cut off a little bit of your hair? They're like, okay, cool. Can you also rip a bit of your shirt? All right, cool. Um, and then Eduardo was like, hey, he went to his dentist and went, hey, can I get some teeth from you? Like real actual teeth? And then his dentist was like, no problem, chief, and gave him the teeth. So um, there are no fingers. There are no uh, tongues in there. It's just bloodied up teeth. Um, but you can't really tell if that's all teeth. So that really adds to the fact that so Eduardo has mentioned Eduardo has it like admitted that like he doesn't blame you if you think that you think you see a tongue or a finger or anything else in there. Um, but yeah, it, it it adds to the it adds to the horrible realization that Heather and Mike are probably not going to survive. Like and they're go they're, home. they're being hunted. Yes, they're fucked. And now we get to one of the greatest, not just one of the most infamous scenes in the movie, or but also I think is just a pure brilliant piece of acting in general. So Heather decided she's going to take the camera and she's going to record basically her last will and testament, an apology. I'll let you dis- um, discuss the rest of this because I feel like you describing this is a lot better than me describing it. So this entire scene, um, like I was implying earlier, it was uh, perceived as a fuck up initially, but they kept it in and it's what inadvertently created this movie's identity. So Heather Donahue delivers a monologue. Like Eric said, is her last will and testament saying sorry to Josh and Mike's family saying that this was all her fault and she starts crying and then she hears something hears something in the distance and her eyes just shoot in like straight into the woods into the darkness and fucking hell uh <laughs> And she just starts describing how terrified she is. And she fucking sells it. And from, uh, and the reason it was perceived as a fuck up initially was the shot was intended to just have her record her whole face. But uh, I guess Heather didn't hold the camera right and so it ended up just recording recording her eyes i think she was actually holding it right what i think eduardo said or at least um maybe someone else said this but they didn't realize that she had accidentally zoomed in oh okay that makes sense um but the fact that the shot just focuses on her eyes and you just gradually see the tears flowing from her face and then 
you see them shoot instantly into fright and desperation. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe it's I believe it's on one take too. I I could be wrong on that, but yeah. It, and I mean, you can really see just how distraught she is. She's starting to have snot come out of her nose. It's, like she is sobbing. It's sobbing. It's one of the scariest scenes I've I've ever seen in all. It of unfortunately it. is also one of the most parodied scenes. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. Have you had to watch any of the parodied scenes, uh, parodied versions of this, uh, or just parodies in general of this scene. But, uh, I have seen some hilarious just images and I'm just like, even then I'm like, those are kind of a little uneasy to look at. Just like, just, just the poster itself. Like it's, it makes me uneasy, not ill, not ill, but just like, I, I can't stomach looking at just her eyes. Uh, just Heather's eyes in general just freak me the fuck out. It, it's kind of hard to watch the scene. I'm not gonna lie, just because I'm just the terror. Just the terror in her eyes just says it it's, all. It's so fucking authentic. So later that night, later that night, they keep hearing Josh's screams, and uh, and then they decide to follow the screams. So, a little bit of a uh, backstory that we should go back to. When they were first interviewing the town, one of the people said that Rustin's pa- Rustin Parr's house was burned down after he was after he was executed for the murders. Rustin Parr's house was burned down by you know angry parents and townsfolk. They come across a house, and it's Rustin Parr's house. But how is that possible, you wonder? I thought the house was burned down. Well, you don't really have time to think about it. But, so, um, going back to more behind the scenes on this. So, Mike, so Mike's notes, from what I understand, is like, all right, Mike, when you get there, you're going to go up and down. You're going to go all the way up. And then when you hear the screams, go back all the way down. And um, he, Mike was like, wait, what? So he radios director's like hey what did you mean by that and the, and the this is the first time i guess he said they admitted he used the radio because they really didn't use the radios apparently for the most part because they kind of just got the concept of what they're supposed to do but he was just kind of confused on that it's like you'll know it when the time comes so when you hear off camera uh mike go oh shit it's a house that is his first true reaction to the house um and you, then you see the house, and you just feel uneasy, like you are about to step into hell, um, like literal hell. Yeah. Um, it is fucking uneasy as shit. This is where I really, really kind of started to lose it in terms of like, oh god, no. Because <laughs> once you enter a haunted house, once you just enter a haunted, look, I've watched a lot of Evil Dead. I know once you enter a cabin, an abandoned cabin things are not going to go well. Um, uh, but it's not going to be as fun as Cabin in the Woods or Evil Dead. <laughs> this is going to end very horribly. Um, so they go in and it's just uneasy. You see like weird, weird calligraphy written on the walls. You see hand printed, hand prints of 
blacked out handprints of children. Um, in reality, what they did was they got the nephews, I think it was the nephew and niece or just the nephew of, I think the art director. And there's like, Hey nephew, um, dip your hands in black and just like start dipping your, start putting your hands all over the walls. Um, but the, the fact that earlier we heard the sounds of those children laughing and then mm-hmm. later on you see children's hand handprints that just it makes it so much fucking scarier because again you don't like it oh jesus christ this fucking movie man so they get to the top of the they st- they're trying to follow the sound of the stair uh, sound of jo- they're trying to hear they're trying to follow Josh's voice cuz it's led them to the cabin or to the house and um and so Mike gets to the top and then he just hears Mike from all the way down in the basement and he's waited and he's and Heather's with him, but he just runs all the way down. You can hear Heather's blood curdling screams for him not to go. And uh, he just gets to the bottom. He's like, Josh, he goes, Josh gets kn- something, knocks him down. Something causes him to get hit and the camera, his camera drops. And then we cut back to her footage. We cut back to Heather's footage. Heather is screaming for Mike. She walks back down. No, she runs back down all the way to the basement. And that fucking shot, that last shot of, by the way, remember how he said that Rustin Parr made one kid stand in the corner while the other person, while the other kid he murdered? Mike standing there in the corner. Something hits. Something hits Heather. And the camera drops. And that's the end of the movie. Holy fucking shit. And And there are a lot of comment behold there are a lot of comments saying that like, well, why do, so like there has got to be there a lot of people have been theorizing like what is causing what is causing Mike to just stand there in the corner like like why where's his fight or flight mode like what happened but it's possible there's a theory going on that so once you enter the forest you are immediately under the draw of the witch and once the witch catches you you are paralyzed and doing into doing anything she makes you do and it's you just wonder what happened to these kids i personally think they're all dead um it's never explicitly stated if they're dead they're fucking dead. There is no doubt about it in my mind. They're dead. Um, the witch had her fun. So, but there's another theory that's been going around that basically Josh and Mike um, basically lost their, completely lost their minds, started playing tricks on her, and um, planned her demise. I don't buy that. Mm, nah. I don't buy that one bit. Nah, me neither. Um, there's another theory that because of the time rifts caused by the witch, Rustin Parr can keep killing over and over. And so basically it's Rustin Parr that's got them in the basement. Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, man. Blair Witch... I don't think I've ever come across a horror movie that's really affected me like this. I've watched a lot of horror movies. 
Blair Witch Project, you have officially become probably my favorite horror movie of all time. Because if you can do this to me, if you can make me talk uneasy about a movie and also cause me to not go to sleep until 2 a.m. in the morning, fuck you, by the way. <laughs> you officially have won a follower. Um, but, you know, what's really surprising about this is that people... It's funny because there are the camp of people who genuinely love the movie, but then there are also people like Jeff in the beginning who think the movie is a piece of shit to which I'm like, so you're, so you're saying that the, uh, brilliant marketing for the film was bullshit. You're saying that the brilliant acting of everybody was bullshit. You're saying that all the hard work that went into this movie was bullshit Go fuck yourself. I'm sorry. I, I have no I have no sympathy for people I was who I was thirteen. I know. But like still, I'm like I don't understand I like I don't understand how I could be bored watching well, this because I it's, felt uneasy it's, it's, it's the, the entire It's the difference time. between watching a movie from, you know, the naive, you know mindset of a of a teenager who, you know, hasn't really been exposed to you know, to that side of horror and, you know, someone, you know, you tack on another 13 years of, of, uh, analyzing horror and, you know, just the passage of time in general, seeing the genre evolve and looking back at this movie to see, to be reminded of what made it such an effective and iconic film, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it's, I think the age that you're at is very important when, uh, when seeing this film on, um, on top of, I would say, uh, the, the mindset you have before going in and the, um, I would say overall what you consider to be scary. You know, some people, you know, just want the typical generic jump scares. You know, it's that that's fine. You know, like, you know, people can like what they like, but I think it's lazy. I think it's uninspired. No creative ingenuity to actually leave a terrifying mental image to stick with you. But what this movie does is actually, okay, I'm going to go with a different analogy. So the very last shot of the movie, the camera falls and it just plays out for, for a few more seconds, letting you take in what just happened. And you just hear the camera run out of film, cut to credits. A vast majority of films that try to emulate the success of Blair Witch or Paranormal Activity, any any movie like that, would have just ended it with a cheap final jump scare to show that, you know, oh, look, there there's the witch. Like uh like a movie like Unfriended, for example. Like that movie pissed me off because it had a good idea, but it 
diluted into cheap generic jump jump horror scares like the final shot of that movie is like a like the demon or whatever the fuck it is just just lunging right at the camera as it cuts to credits mm-hmm. and even horror movies that i fucking love like sinister are guilty of that like that's my main drawback to to that movie is it occasionally occasionally falls into that trap and even has the final jump scare. A lot of the paranormal activity sequels are guilty of that. Like so many different, so many different movies in the, in the genre are guilty of that. And then there's the ones like Blair Witch that essentially putting all the trust in the audience. Like they don't, they don't dumb anything down. They don't, uh, they don't spell anything out for you. Like they, like they're trusting, they're entrusting you. Like they're respecting your intelligence to understand what they're going for, and the the ingenuity to create this lore and all this backstory surrounding it, and just hoping that pe- people just give a shit to begin with. And like they don't fall into those traps. They don't. Like they just they leave everything to your to your mind and a lot of it is left up to your own interpretation. And when you're when you're able to create all these mental images to fill in the blanks, pretty much in any or all scenarios of possibilities that you create, it's fucking scary. And that's the best way I can describe this movie is that it is a legitimately scary fucking movie. And it completely lives up to its, to the hype, to the, to its reputation. And I respect the shit out of it for what it created for its impact on pop culture. And it's, it it's lightning in a bottle, man. It it's a masterpiece. Yeah, that it totally is. Um quick trivia though, going back to the ending of the movie. Um so for those who don't know, um there are, so once Artisan Entertainment, the movie that got the studio so this movie, I mean obviously, so this movie made a big splash at Sundance. Um and then when Artisan Entertainment picked up the movie uh, they wanted to get a more traditional ending, so they they did a about four alternate endings. Um, they well, yeah, they had the crew back and do they had the crew go back and do four additional endings, and every time they did, and of all the endings, they decided they're not really that effective because I mean, well, one of them has like a well, they all end with Michael like. Not Mike in not in a good spot. So like Mike is either like uh, kind of crucified. He's hanging. He's levitating in one ending. Um, all whole bunch of shit. But they ultimately decided the simplicity of him of just why the fuck is he standing in the corner? Bam! Um, that was far more effective. Um, and it is. It truly is because you're questioning like why the fuck would he be standing there or like. What is causing him to just stand in the corner? 
And if you, and you think of, yeah, like if, if you actually, you know, pay attention to, uh, to what was going on throughout the movie, you're making that connection. Oh shit. Made him stand in the corner as they killed the other person. And it just sends that fucking shiver down your spine. Yep. So, which also, so that kind of like, so real briefly, before we get into our final thoughts, I wanted to kind of briefly touch upon the sequel, not Blair Witch 2. Um, that's not really a related movie. Um, it's yeah, more, was... that movie is more about the cultural impact that Blair Witch created at the time. And it was just a quick turnaround. It literally was, it literally came out the following year. If Blair Witch Project was released, which was just ridiculous. Um, so they decided to do a sequel about 10 years late. No, no, about 20 years later, they did a sequel in 2016 called Blair Witch. And the idea was that Heather's brother is going to find her. And uh, to which I'm like, uh, and here's, and I watched the, I watched a scene on YouTube of Blair Witch and I'm like, yeah, they're relying way too much on the, the, the film quality looks way too good. They're obviously using, well, I mean, they're obviously using digital cameras, so I can get that. Um, but you know, they're relying way too much on jump scares. Um, there's a lot more, there's a lot more CGI in that movie. Um, and yeah, it, it, they make things a little bit too fucking crazy. So I and, actually, uh, I, I will chime in here. Uh, I haven't seen book of shadows just cause I, I don't give a shit. And I actually kind of like Blair Witch 2016. It's obviously not on the same level as the first film, but what I think it did very well was expand the the lore of the Blair Witch mythology without Absolutely. without compromising what made it scary to begin with. Even uh, even what you quote unquote see in the movie the more you dive into the lore it uh it's not what it seems at face value and that's what kind of saved it for me uh and so I, I will say uh it's definitely worth a watch at, at least uh, like even if you don't like it there's at least a few things that you'll take away from it like there's a couple sequences in there that are I would just consider undeniably fucking terrifying. And the sound design is in fucking incredible. So I, I would say it's, it's worth it just purely for the sound design. And there's something else I wanted to touch upon actually, now that you're talking about it, um, more going towards upon like the lore of just the Blair Witch universe in general. So there's an idea going, there's an idea that the witch will only go after you if you st if um, you set foot in her forest um, but the idea is if you talk but the other idea is if you talk about the witch you're instantly targeted and you're going to be drawn into the forest so in a lot of the so in a lot of the um, marketing campaigns for the first Blair Witch the way so there's a journal from Heather and uh, she mentions that like she has been 
fascinated by this legend for two years and it's underlined for complete emphasis. And so she has just completely driven herself into looking for the witch, if you will, and really uncovering the legend. And, um, and, uh, um, it's just, there's this video that I saw theorized that no, the witch has targets. Once you start thinking about the witch and discussing the witch, the witch wants you and she's going to have you. And, you know, briefly discussing the sequel, um, the idea is that there's some footage, possible footage in the Rustin Parr house that's been uncovered by locals in in Burkittsville. And uh, James, uh, James, who is the brother of Heather, he was only four years old when Heather disappeared. Um, he believes that it could be his, his sister, long lost sister to which I'm like, your sister's dead. (laughs) So there might be, so I, to be fair, I might, I probably will watch Blair Witch at some point, but I don't know from what I saw, I was kind of not impressed, but I'll, I feel like just watching it will really kind of like, yeah, I would better perspective. I would say just, uh, just, you know, keep your, keep your expectations neutral just just know it's not as good as the first but right it's uh like it it's just cool to to see a continuation Mm -hmm. but so then going back so then going back real quick to the idea of like what it's expanded on um a lot of the time warping reality warping and space warping abilities that the witch seems to have to the point like there is apparently a time paradox because she uses the footage to lure because the, the footage you see in the beginning is actually seen later in the movie as it's actually being recorded. So basically somehow the witch uses that footage to lure everyone into the forest. Pretty interesting shit. That's what, and again, uh, and again, that's, it makes me uneasy. That's, that's a creepy prospect. It. it it makes me uneasy talking about this just because of how fucking crazy it is. Yeah, because um, dude, like honestly, like that's this movie just sparks such interesting conversation, and like all the theories that have evolved around this movie uh, are very well thought out and. And if anything, if you if that's the theory that makes the most sense to you, then it just adds an entire entirely new context on what makes the movie even scarier. And so it's like there's always something to go back to. There's always something new to discover. There's a different perspective or viewpoint that that you can that you can watch it. And that's why I trying to make it a tradition to watch it every October. It's it's a perfect scary movie, I think. Yeah, I'm going to agree. Um I don't know if I would watch it every October. I have to be in I need to be like in the right mindset to watch specific movies. I mean, obviously this is a perfect Halloween movie. Um but for me I'm like let's put it this way. Um if I could use another movie to point out where I think it's brilliant, but it's just very difficult for me to watch. Uh, Whiplash, um, excellent movie about the pursuit of excellence and how far you're willing to go. 
but it's so painful for me to watch just because I can't bear to see the turmoil that um, Terrence Fletcher puts on the kid in the movie. Um, just horrifying. Just like the pain of it. It is, it is brilliant drama, but I'm just like, I, it's just like, it's hard for me to stomach just because it's so, um, my emotionally and pain, emotionally painful to watch because I have gone through, I have kind of experienced something like that. So here it's going to be a moment. It, it you're going to, it's going to take a lot of convincing for me to watch Blair, Witch, be just because of just how much it's fucked me over. So, Here's my exception to the rule. If I'm going to watch this again, I am not watching Blair Witch alone. <laughs> I got you, man. I refuse I got to you. watch this by myself ever again. All right. All right. Next time you come up, we'll watch Blair Witch 2016 together. Um, can we just watch both movies together and just get it over with? Fuck yeah, man. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, this Blair, the Blair Witch Project, a movie that actually freaks me the fuck out <laughs> it is it truly has made it to the top of my list in terms of horror like it is that effective because the not seeing the un not seeing not seeing the scene or whatnot or just fearing the unknown and just a psychological psychological horror of just losing your minds that's the kind of that's the kind of horror movie that i like where it just fucks with your mind. The Blair Witch Project, I salute you for probably making me not go to sleep tonight. <laughs> God damn it. Um, yeah, I think that's that's going to do it for this one. So um, in the meantime, I'm just going to say, please follow the Instagram page, of course, at TNAPCAST. That's T N. A A P C A S T. Uh, be sure to also we'll suck dick YouTube. for follows. We're desperate. Yes, we will. <laughs> also, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, we'll uh, leave comments and likes, and uh, yeah, leave suggestions in those comments. And we're currently on Apple and uh, Spotify. But uh, yes, in the meantime, I'm probably gonna go shit my pants. I'm Eric. Uh, I I already shot my pants. It's uh. Uh, this was not a pleasant recording session. I've been sitting in my own filth for over Ugh. an hour. It's, uh, yeah, I'm going to go go fix that. I'm Jeff. Later. That's Jeff, everybody. Please have a safe and wonderful day. Stay shiny. Have a good one. Maybe. Maybe. Next level. Next level.